We are going to start a series that we're going to do the next three weeks called DNA. If you know anything about anatomy and physiology, you know that DNA is uh, what is inside your body that tells your body what to do, how to grow, how to look, whether you have brown hair, uh, blonde hair, brown eyes, green eyes, whatever. Like DNA is what informs your body, how to grow, how to survive, and, and really makes you who you are. And so this series is going to be uh, three weeks of us looking at the core things that make beach students uh, who we are. And so um, all churches have one thing uh, or should have one thing in common when it comes to their DNA, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the core piece of our DNA. But as we all know, not all churches, um, not all churches uh, kind of work out the same way and, and reach people the same way. And so while all of us have the same mission, uh, we all kind of have different cultures and different vibes. And so over the next three weeks, we are going to talk about what makes us unique as we chase after Jesus and uh, the things that are important um, to this ministry and, and to this family that we call Beach Students. And so um, each week we're going to look at something. And uh, tonight we are going to look at a scripture out of Second Chronicles 7.14. Second Chronicles 714. If you have a Bible, turn there. If not, we will have the Bible on the screens. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Let me give you a little bit of context. King Solomon is uh, the king of Israel, and he's like the, like the high point of Israel. Like Israel is at its best under King Solomon. King Solomon is the son of David, and uh, the, 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 the new um, guy on the throne, and he builds, what, what's just happened is he's built this building that they call the temple, and the temple is where God resided and where his holy presence was, and so this is like the most beautiful, majestic, um, decorated building in the entire world, and so all of Israel comes together, and they're having like this massive worship service, this massive like two-week party where they're just going crazy worshiping God, and, um, and, and, and so they're so excited about what's going on, and that night, Solomon puts his head down on his pillow, and he has a dream, a vision from God. And, um, and God starts talking to him and, uh, and eventually says, hey, there's going to be a day where things aren't like they are right now. There, there's not going to be a bunch of people lining the streets, worshiping me. There's not going to be a bunch of people in the, in, in the temple, like, so excited about me. There's, there's going to be a lot of dryness spiritually. People aren't going to pay attention to me. They're not really going to follow after me. And things won't look good. Things won't look good. But, but, and then he gives Solomon a promise. Now, I want to be clear. This promise is to Solomon and the people of Israel. But, but, he talks about the people of God. And now today in the new covenant under Christ, we are the people of God. Christians, people that follow after him. And so we believe that these promises still stand for us. And so here is what he says. That when everything has fallen apart... When, when, there is no, when there is nobody praising God, when it seems desolate and dead, here is the promise God gives in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name, if my people who are called by my name, literally Christians are called by Jesus Christ's name. They, they, are, uh, they are like Christians. They're, they are little Christ. That's like the original uh, interpretation of the word was that these are like people that act like Jesus and follow after Jesus. He says, if the people who are called by my name will humble themselves, this means put themselves second to God, put themselves below God, if they will humble themselves, these next two kind of go together, if they will pray and seek my face, if they will talk to me, 
if they will come after me, if they will gaze upon me, if they will look at my glory, if they will come into a relationship with me, if all they care about is me, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek my face, and if they turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Listen to that. I will hear from heaven. God will hear from heaven, and he will forgive our sins, and he will heal our land. That word for heal kind of has this this idea of restoration. He will restore our land. And, And can we be honest? Like, Our land, let's just talk about America, our land needs some restoration. We need some restoring. We need a mighty, mighty act of God. We need healing. We see it on the news all the time. We see it in the politics and in the way people treat each other. And and that's just within our own borders, much less like all over the world. And we know that the lands need healing. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight because that is a core part of our DNA here at Beach Students, and it is this. We are praying for revival in Jacksonville. This, this, this verse in 2 Chronicles 7.14 is referring to revival. That, that word for heal could, could also be kind of used as revive. He's going to revive our land, and we need some revival in the city of Jacksonville, in the city of Jacksonville. And this is why, this is why, um, as Zach said, we, we, we pray at 7.14. We're praying for revival in our city, this is what we've been doing for a few years. This is what we will continue to do until uh, we see it happen. And so um, this is a core part of who we are. We are praying for revival in Jacksonville. Revival comes from the word revive, and it's to regain life or consciousness, to give new strength or energy to. And so if, someone's, um, if someone has a heart attack or something and the, the EMTs come and they, and they seem like they are on the, the, the cusp of, of losing their heartbeat, they'll pull out the defibrillator pads and they will say clear and they will put them and the body jumps right and that is reviving or attempting to revive a body that is on its last breath or that is about to die. If you play football or something if you get, or, or soccer or something like that and you get knocked out, or, or something like that, uh, what they'll do is they'll put ammonia, they'll put smelling salts under your, under your nose, and that is meant to revive somebody, to wake them up, to give life back to them, to give them a new strength or new energy. Maybe you've heard like before like that they're trying to revive a certain area of town. Maybe it's a, an area of town with no businesses and the buildings are falling apart, and so the government might say, we're trying to revive it. We're trying to make that city or that part of the city um, uh, full of life. Again, this is what we are talking about. And revival, uh, from, a, from a church standpoint, would be this, an awakening to God, an awakening to God. But I, I don't want to just stop there because that's a little bit of an incomplete or not a very um, descriptive uh, definition of revival. Here is what revival is, um, the, the definition that we are going to use. An extraordinary an extraordinary, an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit, that is God's Spirit that is in the followers of Jesus, an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. An extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. So here's what revival is not. Revival is not a worship service. Uh, maybe you, you've seen a church before and it says like, hey, we're having revival services tonight. The point of those services is to draw close to God and maybe, um, maybe bring about some sense of revival. But that is not revival because humans can't make revival. We, we, can't, we can't just conjure up revival. Uh, a, a series in church, this sermon tonight, th- those are not revival. 
a really good weekend at Epworth, that's not revival. Revival is not when a church grows. There are churches growing all over the city. There are churches growing all over the world, thousands and thousands of people being reached. That's still not revival. Revival is not when a lot of people give their lives to Christ. Revival is not when a lot of people are baptized. These are all normal works of the Spirit of God. These happen day in and day out all over the world. These are normal works of God. But that's not revival. Revival is something different. Revival is something that only comes every once in a while in very select places according to the will of God. Revival is when everyone senses God. You know, um, uh, last year, so, so the Jags made the run and they almost made it to the Super Bowl. And, and in that time, the city... There was this feeling, right? Like the people were like pumped up. Everybody was wearing their Jags gear. If they hadn't been following the team for a few years, they brought out like a Mark Brunel jersey or something because they weren't really fans anymore, but they decided, oh, it's time. Like I'm gonna put on my, my jersey that I had from like 15 years ago. Like people were excited. They were listening to sports radio. They were posting on Facebook and Instagram. It was all about the Jags. There was this excitement, this spirit of excitement, this atmosphere of excitement about the football team that is from Jacksonville. And that wasn't even getting to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. That was just almost getting to the Super Bowl. There was still, there was this excitement and this passion that came out of our city, right? We saw it. Imagine that as just a small piece of what revival could be in Jacksonville, where our city comes together and bands around, not a large cat or a football team, but around the presence of, of God. Imagine like if you've ever been to like Epworth or a mission trip or something or, or a Sunday night here at United and you've just felt God like crazy. Imagine feeling that all over the city, everywhere you go. People are just feeling, they, they, they're aware and sensing God. That's what revival is. Revival is when normal sermons, normal songs, reading of scriptures, it does more than it usually does. All of a sudden it like cuts to our hearts and not just people that are Christians, but Christians and non-Christians alike, that we are impacted by God's word and by prayer and by songs and by sermons in a way that we've never been before. Revival is not just about non-Christians. It's about bringing the people of God back to God in a way that we couldn't even imagine, in a way that we've never experienced. Conviction is felt. That means like we realize our sin and no longer is it okay to just be like, oh, you know, like I messed up. But like it, it's like this deep conviction that's not guilt, but it's just like, oh my gosh, like I need God so badly. I I need something new. I can't keep going down this path. And so we repent, we turn away and we turn back to God. This is what revivals in the past in our own nation, in Europe and Africa and Asia have experienced is people like being completely recognizing of their sin. I mean, people respond to God in a way like, like people that you would have never imagined would respond to God are all of a sudden responding to God. Change happens, not just in the church, not, not just uh, at worship services, but change happens in everyday life, at, at office places and on athletic fields and in gyms and, and, at, and at movie theaters. Like change happens all over the place. This is what revival is. It's so much bigger than what we could ever imagine. And guys, can we be honest? We need revival. If you've been in church for a while, you've sat in church services. No matter what church you go to, you've sat in church services where you're like, is this it? Like, is this like, what are we doing? Are we just singing songs? Are we just listening? to Like, what, what's really going on? Is there anything real to this? 
And that's for Christians. There's certainly been non-Christians who have been at church services and been like, does anyone really believe this? Maybe you've gone to a great weekend or a mission trip and you come home and you realize, gosh, like home's still the same. My family or my friends still don't follow Jesus. You go to school and you're like, does anyone besides me believe in him? Like, is he actually doing something? And we feel as if, like, is it hopeless? Are we, are we just hopeless? Is there no way that, like, God is ever going to come through in a major way? Like, are we ever going to see, like, people really understand who God is? Are we going to see God make an impact on normal, everyday people the way sports do or, or, or um, money does or, or music or movies? Like, are we ever going to see people get around God in that way? And, and we may get a little bit hopeless. Because we see the need for revival just in our own city, just in our own community, when you see brokenness and people hurting. And I think we can all realize we need something new. We need something different. About three and a half years ago, Pastor Jerry, who's our lead pastor at Beach Church and also my dad, he um, went up to um, the mountains and he was having a time of study and, and prayer and God put something on his heart that he had not really put on his heart before. My dad's been a pastor for over 30 years. And, um, and God put revival on his heart. And so he decided it was time for him to begin praying for revival in Jacksonville. About six months later, five, six months later, we took a student ministry team. So this is three years ago. We took a student ministry team to Jamaica. And I was putting together the devotionals for that, for that week. And um, we were doing this, this prayer devotional thing. And one of the days was about Second Chronicles 7.14. It was about revival. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to put this in there because when I read the book, it had an impact on me. And maybe we can have a conversation about what, what revival could be and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really think a ton of it, but God kind of put on my heart, hey, put that in there. And throughout that week, as we were serving in Jamaica, um, the team was great, and uh, it was unlike any team that we had had before, and, um, and it was, uh, there, there was just something kind of going on that I sensed that, that God might be doing, and um, I sensed maybe in this group, maybe out of uh, this ministry, revival may be coming. Revival may be coming, and so um, the day, the, one of the last days we did the revival uh, devotional, and that night, um, I felt like God wanted me to speak on revival, and so, so I preached about it, and then we spent, like, I don't even know how long, like an hour, an hour and a half in, like, darkness, all of us laying all over this auditorium, just praying out loud, not, not quietly, like everybody was having out loud conversations with God, like 60 people at once. And some people were yelling, some people were talking quietly, some people were crying. It was like, it was crazy. And it was like something I've never done before. And we just all cried out to God for revival in our cities, in our families, in our friends, in our schools, in our communities. And we, we asked God for revival and we decided as a group that we were going to begin praying at 7.14 a.m. and p.m. for revival in Jacksonville, that we were going to set our alarms and do it. And so um, we began to do that. And when we got home, Pastor Jerry heard about what God had put on our hearts. And he realized the connection between what God had put on our hearts from God, not from him, because he had never told anybody, and what God had put on his heart years before. And so our church began talking about it and praying for it. And, and let's be honest. It's been three years. For those of you who have been around for three years, I know some of us have turned off our alarms. I know some of us have kind of given up. Oh, it's been three years. This is never going to happen. I know some of us have gotten to the point where it's like, revival, like, do we even want it? Like, I just want to live my life and do my thing. I'm going to college. I'm not worried about revival. Like, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm like figuring out what I want to do with my life. Like, the day-to-day -day takes over, and we're just like, revival, I mean, yeah, it's a cool church word, but it'd be a nice idea, but it's probably never going to happen. 
we give up. Maybe some of you have been coming uh, to United for a while, and um, you hear us talk about it a little bit, but I haven't preached about it, and so you're like, I don't know, I think they pray for something. Like, you're not even really sure what's going on, and so you're just like, okay, we'll just pray one time a week at Sunday night. And I understand that, that over time, <coughs> over time we've kind of gotten to the point where it's a little bit just old. I've heard some students say, this was a long time ago, like after three months, like, are we just gonna, are we gonna keep praying for that forever? Are we just gonna keep on going? Like, when are we gonna stop? And the answer is, we're not. This is a part of who Beach Students is we are going to continue to pray for revival in our city. But there are a few things we need to understand about revival or else we're going to give up or else we're going to stop praying. And we've got to understand these things because they are, they are key to this whole deal. Here's the first thing. Revival is accomplished by God. It's accomplished by God. Keep that up there because we'll get to the second part in a second. Revival is accomplished by God, only by God. Revival is not accomplished by a really good sermon or a really good preacher. Revival is not accomplished by a great band. We get Hillsong in here, lean worship every week, and that won't necessarily lead to revival. Revival doesn't come from money. Revival doesn't come from a really cool church. Revival doesn't come from talent. Revival doesn't come from human beings. Or else we would have figured out by now, let's just do that and everybody will come to know Jesus. Revival only comes And only is accomplished by God. But, but it is sparked by prayer. That's what this verse in 2 Chronicles 7.14 is saying. It's saying that if we pray, if we ask, God will heal (coughs) our land. The Bible shows that that God listens to our prayers. There's this this parable, this story that Jesus told. This is Jesus. This is God on earth. And he told it from his own lips. And so pretty sure that's what God wants. And he told this, told this story about this woman, this persistent widow. She was old. She had no power. She had no money. She had no protection. She had no family. She had nothing. And she was being taken advantage of. And her only hope was the legal system. However, legal system wasn't really like it is today. There was one judge in town. And this one judge had all the power. Bad news for her was this one judge sucked. Like, he was a terrible human being. He was a jerk. Like, he didn't care about anybody. He didn't care what anybody said, what anybody thought. He definitely didn't care about this widow. But the widow had no hope except but to ask him. And so she went to him day after day after day after day after day after day after month after month, year after year. She bothered him. She asked him. She begged him. She went to his work. She went to his home. Every single day and night, she would badger this man. And eventually, he says, I give up. Stop bothering me. I'm just going to help you because I want to get you off my back. And then Jesus stops the story. And he says, you know, this is how you should pray to God. Won't God, if if an evil judge will listen to this woman when she badgers him, won't your loving heavenly father Listen to you when you cry out day and night. He uses that term, crying out day and night. But but are we crying out? Are we actually praying? Are we actually going to God and asking for revival? Are we really giving passion to it? Because I know what I do sometimes. Turn off my alarm and say, God, bring, bring revival to Jacksonville. And then I put my phone back in my pocket and I go back to what I'm doing. And there's not really much passion or belief in it. 
I can tell you that about uh, eight months ago, I turned off my morning alarm because I already have a morning alarm. It's my child, and she wakes me up every morning. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to give myself another alarm, and I'm not going to give an alarm that wakes her up or wakes my wife up, and I'm just going to do it at night. And I'm, man, I'm, the, I'm the pastor, like, and I'm doing it. Like, like we're, all, we're all subject to kind of getting tired of this whole deal. And yet God says, come to me day after day, night after night. Bother me. Won't I listen to my children who I love? Won't I listen? Because revival is accomplished by God, but it's sparked by prayer. Here's the second thing. Revival starts in me. Everybody point to yourself. Revival starts in this person that you're pointing at. See, a lot of times we want to look at everybody else, don't we? Well, yeah, they need revival. I'll tell you what, man. I, you know what they did last weekend? Like, that, that girl needs revival. My mommy and my daddy, they need revival. I got church. I, I'm already at church. I'm a Christian. I'm good. But, like, my parents, listen, they need revival. Man, you know, that neighborhood, they, they need revival. My school, they need revival. But me, man, I'm good. I know all the words to the elevation songs. Like, I know, I know Bible verses. Like, I must. I, I got revival, right? But the truth is, we can't expect God to do something in someone else that he hasn't first done in us. See, all the revivals in history started in the church. And think of it like a cup. It overflowed and started to affect the cities and the nations. But it started among the people of God. Remember 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people who are called by my name, if they will have revival, then I will reach out and I will heal their land. The truth is revival has to start among Christians it has to start among churches, not just Beach Church. It has to start among all the churches. And, and something that God laid on my heart that night in Jamaica was um, something to the effect of revival has to start in Beach Student Ministries and revival has to start in Beach Church. And that night, to be honest, I thought, well, that means that like, it's going to come out of our church. And over the years, I think God's told me a little bit that, that maybe he told that to a bunch of church leaders. Maybe he told that to a bunch of of different churches because I've heard what other pastors say over the past few years. I've gone to other churches and heard them talk and I'm like, I think they might've gotten the same message we got. I think God might be reaching out to a whole bunch of people because that's how God works. That's how it has to happen is he has to stir up revival in all these different churches, all these different Christians to change a city or to change a nation. I wanna close with a scripture in Ezekiel. Old Testament, Ezekiel Chapter 37. Ezekiel was a prophet in the, uh, in the Old Testament, and he lives in a time where Israel, the people of Israel, this is after Solomon, this is after everything um, that, that, that was going great in Solomon with the temple and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is like that future God was talking about. It's dry. It's desolate. Things are going poorly. The people of God have turned against God, and now they are living in another nation. I, I want to kind of, kind of compare this to you. Um, imagine if China came and took over America and they destroyed our cities and they, um, they, they tore down our buildings and, uh, and they took a lot of us captive and took us back there and they let us live in their nation. And we don't understand the language. We've never been in that um, climate. We, we, we don't know the cities. We don't know our way around. A lot of our family is gone or dead or, or back um, in, in the piles of rubble that used to be U.S. cities. Like imagine that this is what this man is going through. He has been taken to a foreign land that does not speak his language, that does not have his religion, where he does not understand anything. And he is living in captivity. 
okay? This is, this is the situation for this guy, and he has a dream. He has a dream from God. And it starts in chapter 37, starting in verse 1. It says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and he set me in the middle of a valley. Okay, so he's having this dream. God leads him out into this valley, this massive valley. And he says it was full of bones. Full of bones. Skeletons. Bones. All just piled up as far as the eye could see. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. You ever seen a, like, like, you ever give like a chicken bone or something to your dog? And they'll start chewing on it. And then maybe they start to chew every piece off of it. And then they leave it somewhere and they bury it. After months and months, there is absolutely nothing on it. It is just a white bone. There are no tendons on it. There is no skin on it. There is no uh, uh, marinade from when you cooked it originally. There's nothing on it. This is what these bones look like. And here's the translation. The bones have been dead for a long time. There was no hope. The bones couldn't make themselves come back alive. It was over for these bones. And he asked me, he asked Ezekiel, he calls him son of man. That's a, a nickname he had for him as a prophet. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Only you know. Remember, revival can only come from God. Then he continues. Then he said to me, prophesy or, or, or tell, tell these bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, as I'm speaking, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Imagine this. Millions of bones are rattling against each other. The power of God is coming into these bones. And the bones started to come together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So now we've got all these, all these bodies standing up. They've been put into, into uh, the, the full skeleton and um, covered in skin, and they're standing all over this valley, but they're still not alive. And then God says in verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Ezekiel, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Translation for us, these bones are the people of God, the followers of God. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. I don't know about you, but this is sometimes how I feel as a Christian. Where's the hope? We lead one person to Christ and a thousand more are born. And a hundred or five hundred more walk away from faith. It's like trying to plug a bunch of holes in a dam, just hoping that we can figure out a way to keep it together. 
and it feels hopeless. And we have this amazing, this amazing encounter with God. And then we go back to our families and our friends and they, they, they couldn't care less about our experience and about our God. Maybe you look around our city and you say, it's dried up. The hope is gone. My best bet is just to hold close to God by myself, hole up in my room and just wait to die. There's really no, like, we're never gonna be able to figure this thing out. I'm just gonna figure out my own thing and then I'll graduate and I'll go off to college and I'll just figure out my own life because we, we, can't, we can't do this. And you're right, we can't. You're right, it is hopeless. You're right, there is desolation around us. There's racism, there's hatred, there's war, there's fighting, there's crime, there's murder, there's sexual assaults, there's, there's, there's burglary, there's, there's people that say words to each other that should never come out of our human mouths to other individuals. There's, there's parents abusing their children, there's children hurting other children. School systems aren't great. The government's falling apart. Listen, like we can't depend on ourselves. We can't depend on ourselves. We can't depend on our government. We can't, we can't depend on leaders. I'm not saying they're not great. They're all great. We're lucky to live in America, but we can't depend on them to save the world. It's not possible. And we may look around and we say, I don't know if these dry bones can live. Maybe in here we feel good, but then we drive around Jacksonville and we get back in our schools and we're like, man, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like people care a whole lot more about sports than God. It seems like people care a whole lot more about parties and drugs and drinking than God. It seems like people care a whole lot more about sex than God. And we say, can these dry bones live? And that's what, that's what these people, these bones, these, these skeletons, these people are saying. They're saying we're dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. And here's what God says. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. Listen to this. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to, your, to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit, my Holy Spirit, which he has put onto each follower of Jesus, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. Not by your power, by God's power, by the spirit of the living God. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is what we need, isn't it? This is what we need as the people of God. We can't do it alone. We can't just have a good church service for the next hundred years and just hope people are gonna come to it. We have got to have the power of God. That's the significance of us. It's not that we're so great. It's that the God that is in us is so powerful and so great. It's not that we can make ourselves alive again. It's that God can make us alive again. What if? Imagine our city with revival. Like imagine if people were just flooding the churches. Not just our church. Every church was just flooded with people asking, what what do I need to do? How can I get right with God? I need something God has been speaking to me. Imagine if you no longer thought like, how do I reach out to my friends? But your friends just came to you on their knees, begging like, what do I have to do? 
I, I think you know something about this God. What do I have to do? Imagine. I mean, there, there are stories. Uh, imagine the change that could happen in Jacksonville. Like, we have one of the highest murder rates in the country and in the state. We have one of the worst school systems in the state. We have one of the worst um, uh, responses to mental illness in, in the entire nation. Imagine what could happen in our community, like in real life, if revival hit. If the people of God started coming together under the power of the Holy Spirit and he raised up our dry bones and we saw revival. About 110 years ago in Wales, across the ocean, I don't know if you know where it is, it's in the UK, they had a revival. They had a revival. And it said that their revival involved men going and back to their families who they had left years before. Broken families coming back together. Men that owed debts going and paying their debts. People running to churches, bars going out of business because nobody went there anymore. Not because it was wrong, but because they found something better. And they were running to the church and they were running to Jesus. And it said that like, like, like the, 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 the police officers and the judges had nothing to do. There was no crime. Imagine our city with no crime. Imagine our city where people were just like, man, I, I'm gonna love you. I'm not gonna steal what's not mine. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna take something from you that's not mine. Imagine if our families came back together. Imagine if orphans and foster children were able to come back to their families because of revival. Imagine if we came together. Man, there was a, there was a revival that happened in our own nation. I know you're like, uh, like there have been revivals in our nation. Imagine a revival 150 years ago, it was 1857 in New York. This guy started praying and he had these prayer services. It's called the prayer revival. And so many people prayed. And, and like this thing exploded. He had like six people at his little prayer meeting. And within like a week, thousands of people, thousands of prayer meetings were happening all over the country. And it's said that when sailors, listen to this, this is crazy. When boats would get close to the port of New York, this is, this is insane. Sailors, when they were 20 miles from shore, would start feeling the presence of God. And they would bow down and start repenting of their sins. And they'd get to the docks and they'd come off the boats and they'd be like, where's a church? Where, I need something. Like I, God is doing something. In my life. We live at like a Navy, like a Navy station hub. Like imagine if people came back from, uh, from deployment and came back from, from other parts of the world and they just like got here and they were like, we got to find a church. God is doing something and we don't know what it is and it's weird, I know, but we just got to go find somebody who knows how to get right with God. This is what revival could bring. It could change everything about our city. Hundreds of thousands of people would come to know God. Hundreds of thousands of Christians would get more serious about their faith. This is what could happen, but we can only do one thing. All we can do is pray. We can't force God's hand. We can't make it happen ourselves. We need his power. So what I want you guys to do over these next couple minutes is I want you to join me in praying a prayer from Psalm 85 verse 6 and it's very simple it says this will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you so over these next couple of minutes the band's going to play but they're not going to start a song we're not going to stand up we're not going to sing we're just going to pray and in this time man it may be um, maybe you come to the altar. Maybe you sit in your seat. Maybe you stand. Maybe you pray out loud. Maybe you pray quietly. Maybe you turn on your phone and you, uh, you set the alarm for 7.14 a.m. and p.m. Maybe you're someone that's turned it off a long time ago and you turn it back on. 
But we are going to begin right now by praying for revival.